and welcome back to Ranking 76, where we review and rank the heroes and villains of the American West. I'm Eric. I'm Matt. And it's it's been a hot minute, hasn't it? Uh, to, almost three months. <laughs> time to get back up on this horse. And if there was a podcast, I ever have to say that say, phrase. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. So this is actually our, our second recording back, first person back. If uh, just on your feed before this is going to be the recap episode where we went from Meriwether Lewis and we cheated and did Seth Bullock, who's technically 31, but we're, we're forgetting that, remember? And we're going to start with Pearl Hart. It's a new person. A real life person. <laughs> and like always, I have never heard of this person. <laughs> no. But first, just a little bit of admin. If you remember from the previous episode, we were actually incredibly honored to be asked to be part of Intelligence Speech 2023, which means we are punching way above our weight. Uh, and we're going to be uh, on a Rexypod panel and also a, an American History panel. Um, for those who do not know, Intelligence Speech is an online conference with uh, independent history content, content creators and we just kind of celebrate. We just kind of nerd out together. So, and if, if, if you're listening to this, I hate to break it to you. You're also a nerd with us. So why not That's come check thing. it out? That's a good thing. It is a good thing. I embrace my nerdness. My wife calls me a nerd every day. I love it <laughs> sometimes. But anyway, yeah, and that will be November 4th. Uh, there is an early bird special uh, that you can get uh, your tickets for $20. However, if you use the promo code rank, that's right. We have a promo code. We're like <laughs> official now. I think this is also the closest we'll ever get to a commercial. <laughs> but we're going to be on it. We're part of this party. And we'll never be invited again. <laughs> Stop. We will. <laughs> okay. Now with that out of the way, let's stretch. Take a good moment. Get these cobwebs out. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. And we're going to talk about Pearl Hart. Now, people don't know this, but I'm displaying to Matt uh, a different way of showing pictures rather than just showing him the cover of the book I read. I uh, have it so that he can actually see real life pictures of these people. So, Matt, why don't you describe what you're seeing on the screen here? Um, a person that is in um, some slacks, a button up, um, and some... Uh, over coveralls, 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 Cover, or yeah. no, 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 not coveralls. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not suspenders. a belt, but suspenders. Thank you. There you go. You think since my dad wears them, I'd be able to freaking tell you. Um, short hair, slicked mm -hmm. back, greased back. Um, not gonna lie. Uh, manly features. There's a reason for that. So. That is Pearl Hart. I had to actually ask Eric if it was a guy or a girl that we were reviewing today. No, but you're going to have a new appreciation. You can barely see it because this picture is from the 1890s. Uh, not and it's really more well hand drawn looking too. Yeah, um, I also had to blow it up a little bit to you know make it work. It's also our thumbnail for this picture or for uh, for the episode if you want to look at that. But what Matt's going to have a new appreciation with if he takes uh, a good look right here he's gonna notice that is a bobcat she is holding she has a pet bobcat uh, i thought that was like a toy train or something 
Nope. She's just casually reading a newspaper and holding a bobcat. So, okay. And one last thing before we get into Pearl, I always post my sources on the episodes that people, if they're interested, they can go check out. Uh, this, this episode has one source, which is horrifying to me, but the reason is, uh, there have been multiple Pearl hearts, kind of like Calamity Jane, only this one, it was a true mystery who it was, it appears. Um, if you look on the Wikipedia per- page, completely different person. It is not Pearl Taylor. That is not who we're covering today. Instead, uh, John Bussin, Bussin Necker, I butchered his name. Uh, He dropped a book in 2019, 2020, I believe it was. And he did some genealogy research and found out who the real Pearl Hart was. And it turns out every other resource that I wanted to use was about another pearl heart so i am taking and nobody seemed to have disputed this book and it has been posted everywhere so if this is not the pearl heart you know and love that's why you were looking at the wrong person this entire time it's true uh and let me tell you john john will let you know about it so so you're telling me a lot of other sources were just using the wrong wrong person they didn't know. It's kind of like the Calamity Jane thing. There were multiples, and it, it seems like... Hmm. And there's also... It happens to females. That's interesting. It does. Well, that's because very little's ever written about, written about for females, especially, like, go look at uh, any, like, queen of England. Like, you, you look at the male counterpart, and there's, like, nothing for, for women. Like, they just don't write it down. It's almost like they're not as important. They viewed them. Uh, but for men, they would write stuff down. But just know that's that's what the situation is today. Uh, I do recommend the book. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and go pick that up. It's a couple of years old. Probably get off Amazon pretty cheap, like I get all of my books. And with that said, we'll just get started. Lily Naomi Davy was born on April nineteenth, eighteen seventy one, one of seven children in Ontario, Canada, uh, the Providence. She was not born into the best childhood and father. In fact, her father was about as despicable as a person as you could imagine. Uh, he was a drunk, abusive, and manipulating. Lily would remember her dad as a worthless wretch. Her father would be found guilty uh, of multiple towns. We're talking uh, assault. We're talking breaking in. And then worst of all, he was found guilty of brutally raping a 14 year old girl when Lily is 10 months old. That is her dad. That's her dad. Mm. Heck of a guy, isn't he? God, they always are, aren't they? Do you want to guess his prison? He was found guilty in a Canadian court of law. Do you want to know what his punishment was? Manual labor. Uh, one year in jail and nine lashes on his back. That's it, huh? Yeah. When he got out, the family moved, but it just seemed like Lily's father just kept getting into trouble. Knowing all of this, it shouldn't be particularly shocking that Lily and her siblings would have so much run-ins with the law, especially when they're young kids. When she was 11, Lily and her brother Willie snuck into a town and stole a cow. 
They then sold it to a hotel keeper for $9. <laughs> oh, we have this uh, cow outside. You want it? Super cheap. Oh, not only that, as soon as they sold the cow to the hotel owner, they then went around back, stole the cow again, and then sold it for $30 down the street. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, they were caught. Uh, oh. Yeah, this isn't even like the the only story you hear about this. Willie, too. Um, and Willie and then um, her other sister, uh, Katie. They themselves could not necessarily get their own episode, but there's enough materially on them to get their own episode. Uh, Willie did the same thing with a turkey, only he sold, he stole a turkey from out back of a shop owner who was plucking it, went, took it, went around to the front of the same shop and sold it to him again. So, <laughs> which, which is God, a pretty good trick. You got all of these, you got, you got a lot of these, don't you? Yeah, sure do. <laughs> I like the idea of the guy, like, just, he hangs it up, and then he just, like, does, I've had this deja vu, like, three or four times today. What the hell is this? I mean, is the kid smart, or is that guy just dumb? Multiple things can be true at the same time. <laughs> but they were caught. But because Lily was only 11 years old, she was allowed to go home while her brother, Willie, who was a couple years older, was given three years in a boys' reformatory up in Upper Canada. So... He went to juvie eventually. Jeez. He got more time than his dad. Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't connect that till now. One year for sexual assault of a 14-year-old and for reselling the same cow, you get three years. Yep, that's an excellent point. So by the time he got out, she was dang near 15. Yeah. 14, 15. Something like that. What you learn is the Davy uh, kids uh, do not stay in jail for very long. Uh, <laughs> they get in trouble a lot and they they skedaddle, but we'll get into that. Uh, by 1884, Lily's father wanted to move again, but there's one small issue. It seems that women actually have some landowners right in Canada. And in order to get a sale, the wife has to agree with the husband in order for the sale or it won't go through. So women actually get some rights. That's, it's a nice change, isn't it? But then you got to remember that uh, Lily's father is an absolute horrible person who threatens to beat her and to, uh, well, even threatens to kill her. So. Yeah, that checks out. That checks yeah, out. That seems about right. Yeah. She was also pregnant at the time. But despite having an abusive husband, Lily's mother refuses to leave. Instead of finding out what would happen, Lily's mother just decides to leave. So still not great, um, but she does decide to get out for a, for a time. But it's not like things got any better. So Lily went with Anna, her mother, um, to another town, but the family was impoverished. And I mean impoverished in a way uh, that we have seen. Do you remember at the very beginning of Annie Oakley's episode that she would have to go in and uh, go into the woods and um, shoot prey. And that's, she was basically the bread owner of her family. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, think of that level of impoverishment. The girls even have to resort to knocking on doors of their neighbors asking for bread. Lily's, again, early teenagers. And this is the first time we hear of her starting to prostitute herself. 
it's that bad. Now, what I will say, there's a lot of prostitution talk in this episode. And what I really hope doesn't come across is like, that's not a judgment on our call. Like, this is just what they did to survive. It is absolutely horrific what women had to deal with on the frontiers. They basically had prostituting or teaching as a job, or they could be a cook, but it was very limited. All Lily's going to really know, the only skill she develops, unfortunately, is selling her body. So I don't want anyone to think like we're making a moral judgment on in that or anything. It's just this is what she did to survive. And I think that's how we need need to view it. Um, not that that necessarily makes it better or any less difficult to hear. So only weeks after moving down the shack, three of the oldest, including Lily, were were out of the town when four men broke into Anna's house. So again, Lily's mother. And they raped Anna in front of the children that were in the house. Oh, and she's pregnant? And she's pregnant. I won't go into the details of it, but they're there. And it's, I mean, it's pretty bad. Um, what was their dad? Her dad is in another town. So I'm also choosing not to name him because he doesn't deserve he doesn't deserve Agreed. to be named. Agreed. Um, same thing with these four gentlemen. Uh, they come in and they sexually assault Anna and then end up coming back the same night to uh, do it again. They Anna likely would have been murdered if it wasn't for one of the youngest children able to break free and being able to tell a neighbor and that the four men flee. Now, you would think that in itself is... Um, obviously horrific, but the four men kind of conspire because they know that they're caught. They know that's likely that they're going to. So what they do is they bribe Anna with $200 to basically go across the border and live in a small town in New York. Anna, who has really no other income, um, is basically told she can't bring her family Uh, But here's $200. You're going to move or else. So move, leave your family behind, move, or you die. Essentially, yes. So no matter what, you're losing your family. Yes, but here's $200. Isn't that great? Now, Anna is only in New York for a a short while because there is an investigator who actually, he actually kind of gets credit. I forget his name. I didn't write it down, but he gets credit for being one of the first forensic uh, detectives. Um, and he actually tracks her down into New York and he actually makes the men stand trial and they're found guilty. However, we just saw, um, just how strict the Canada's, uh, legal system is when it came to sexual assault. It's not great. However, because she was pregnant, they do get uh, at least a couple years in prison. So that is at least somewhat of a victory. Not that that makes it any better or the experience any, you know, any better for Anna, but, These are the things that Lily and Katie and Willie are all exposed to. Anna, with no other options, basically is forced to move back in with her husband because she can't stay in the town she's at. She has a obvious, even because she was sexually assaulted, she doesn't have a great reputation in town, in part because of that and in part because her children keep getting in trouble. So in order to keep surviving, she has to move back in with her husband. 
something that Lily and Katie do not want to do. So instead of moving back in with their father, Lily and Katie cut their hair short and they put on their brother's clothes. They then jump a boat to Buffalo, New York, where they get some jobs in a factory, kind of roll cigarettes at this time. That's when they think actually Lily picks up a a habit of smoking cigarettes, um, which is obviously very rare at the time, especially because she is shockingly young, (laughs) like 15, 16 years old. However, they only lasted about two months in Buffalo before Anna was able to track them down and bring them back, which means that their first attempt to get away had failed. Notice how I say first. (laughs) They were uh, bad kids, right? Yeah. So all the family moved across the border to Rochester, New York sometime later, and Lily started dating men who you could argue had the same traits of their father. She is even married for a brief time and likely even taking part in a series of robberies, though that's fairly unclear. When she left with her husband, she took her sister Katie to a train station where they once again began to run. You cannot keep these girls in town or in their house at all. So Lily and her sister cut their hair short again, and this time leave for Chicago. A little bit farther away. A little bit. Uh, They think it's because Lily had a love interest in there. And I'll be honest with you, this could have been a very name heavy episode if I would have included all of Lily's love interests. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to say love interests, ex-boyfriend, lover, whatever you have to say. There's multiple, all of them. Not great. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> There's like maybe one. Okay, dude, but the rest are kind of like their father. Some people that she just shouldn't be hanging out with. So if I get confusing, if I say lover, all of that, just know there's, there's a lot of men in her life. Um, she did likely, well, she didn't likely, she did continue prostituting herself really until uh, her 30s, I believe it was. So it's, it's not a great life. It's an incredibly hard life for her to live out. In order to get by, the girls pick up odd jobs as well as some small time pickpocketing, breaking and entering, you know, the things average teenagers do to get by. Um Everything seems to be going okay, I guess, for a small life of crime. But then the the two girls disguised as boys are found out. Do you want to know how? (laughs) How? Well, they they went to church, which that in itself is not the reason why. But the pastor who was giving the sermons just noticed something really weird about these two young boys that were sitting in their pews. One... Uh, when they would sing, they had beautiful voices, apparently. <laughs> that in itself isn't a big issue, but what really started giving them away is they were just, for being boys, they're pretty well behaved. Like, they're not poking each other in the sides. They're standing when they should. They're paying attention. This doesn't. So they got found out because they were well-mannered. Essentially, Yes. Uh, not right away, but it does kind of perk up his interest. So then you have this pastor. Um, I don't want to necessarily think anything malicious about this, but like he ends up following them back to their room when they ask for some clothes and he just kind of like hovers around the room because he's going to make sure that they're males instead of not that I don't know. There's no way to describe this, but basically, um, 
without seeing anything he can tell from their form that they are females. In which case, uh, they become an absolute sensation. <laughs> Once the girl story gets out, they learn they the newspapers end up flocking to them. And I mean more than just curiosities, like these two runaway girls disguised as boys, they uh they learn that they're running from abusive from an abusive household that residents of Chicago actually pay $200 in order to get them a train ride home and for some new clothes. Um, the gesture overwhelms Lily and Katie to the point where they have to admit that they maybe had stolen some money from the town. <laughs> from some of the residents. Yeah, so um, uh, 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 we... Uh, We'd they should have just went along that. with it. Here you go. Okay, cool. Thanks. Right. Now you gotta say like that's that's that means that there's a good person in there, right? Like they could have just accepted the money and be like, "Yeah, this is great." But again, they they felt guilt. Um, I believe they were allowed to keep the two hundred dollars. No, actually, the two hundred dollars got taken back, but then they were still allowed to get a uh, a so train out. However, there's one catch. Do you remember the multiple lovers of Lily that I talked about? Well, turns out a few of them just kept getting arrested. So right before they're about to go home, one of them is killed and has a picture of Lily and Katie in his pocket. And they're thinking, that's odd. Why is there a picture of these two girls with this man? When Lily is asked about it, she she exclaims something like, Oh no, my dear husband is dead. And they thought that's weird. We never mentioned his name. Um, how do you know it's your husband? Well, I don't. She kind of just clams up. She kind of like starts going to the <laughs> I've said too much mode. Then another man is arrested and also claims to know Lily and Katie turns out it's another former lover of Katie. So now they're just kind of sitting. So they're sent up to Rochester, Minnesota from Chicago because that's where some of these crimes took place. Not really knowing what to do with the girls, they end up giving them a sentencing hearing because they have clearly been guilty of a couple of crimes. They've even admitted such to pickpocketing and stealing. So they have to do something with them. And during the sentencing, it says that Lily claimed that they hadn't done anything wrong to deserve a sentence. When her sister Katie took the approach, the journalist reported that when an officer smiled at the two girls, Katie quote, landed a masculine right hander on the officer's <laughs> face, supplementing it with a vigorous shove. The policeman fell backwards into a seat as an adolescent vixen reproved him. Basically, Katie, Katie decked an officer for smiling at him. In which case, good for her. It was probably a nasty smile. <laughs> so after the sentencing, the girls aren't going to go to a jail. They're going to basically go to like a juvie, like a house for girls, like their brother Willie went to a couple years back. The goal was for the girls to learn work skills and to sew and become proper young women. In short, they hated it, like <laughs> a lot. No, they hated doing literally having like restrictions. But up until this point, I'm sure they were doing whatever the heck they wanted. Right. The two girls who have escaped twice and moved across the continent. To, yeah. Shocking. Um, when the girls misbehaved, they would be punished. Once Lily acted up and was threatened with that, a violent criminal 
would be bunking with her if she didn't calm down. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's just a great. Listen plan. here, if you're not good, I'm going to put that guy who's murdered 10 people in your room with you. Charles Manson is going to be sleeping in your <laughs> bunk if you do not shape up. So why don't you shape up? Yeah. That's wild. So you will be shocked to know that Lily and Katie. Uh, right away. They plan an escape. Uh, do you want to know how? You can guess how. What's every cartoon escape? No, they, they tie their bed sheets together. No, they tie their nightgowns together. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 20 foot drop. And you'll be happy to know that Katie, who was the lightest of the two, the girls are only like, I don't they're built small in stature. So like, let's not build, build up Lily to be big here or anything. But uh, Katie goes out the window first and makes it down safely. But then Lily started carrying her escape and isn't halfway down until the nightgowns uh, tear in half. Other than she's dazed for a little bit, the girls do escape and end up going from Rochester to Chicago before they're quickly caught and returned. Uh, with another failed escape, we're now looking into the late 1880s. And Lily would go back to, again, one of her numerous lovers. And the boyfriends or Lily or Katie would continually being arrested for petty thefts. And the girls would be sent back to this girl's school and then another girl's school. They were just in and out of basically, I don't want to say juvie, but juvenile uh, prisons or whatever. Homes, yeah. uh, basically throughout their teenagers. When one of the boyfriends was arrested, Lily just happened to find another man. Now, you do get the sense that men are just drawn to them because why wouldn't they be? You're already – if you're a bandit and you're seeing a woman uh, outlaw, that's obvious. It's going to be like the – what? The Xbox gamer girl. Like you see the girl playing and the sea of dudes. They're going to be drawn to each other. And that's kind of what's happening to Lily is these men, none of them good, are drawn to both of these girls. Now, there aren't many details on the robberies that the girls are are doing other than just that they're a part of them. Being young female, the newspapers seem to be more interested in the fact that they're more female than they are that they're outlaws than they are as a criminal, if that made any sense. It's not necessarily like they're focusing on the crime. They're just such an oddity being arrested that they're focused on their gender more than their crime. Like, no, they can't. They, what? Lily and Katie also get kind of the benefit of the doubt, not only because of their gender, but because, well, look at her father. Their father was a deadbeat. They basically had no chance. Um, and Dang, so they were even saying it back then, huh? Essentially, yeah. One arresting officer sympathized with her saying, quote, had you not been a, for a drunken father, the youngsters might have been better. The children were all born and brought up in Lindsay, and their father was a very dissipated and continually abused his wife. Lily would continue to cross-dress as she had done before in order to cover up her crimes. One newspaper headline would report that she was an extraordinary young person with her masculine dress looks like a picture of a rough species. She is a bright and intelligent looking who chews tobacco, smokes a clay pipe, and has a general appearance of a young rowdy. In April 1888, after one too many arrests, Lily is sentenced to now 
23 months in female prison. This is the actual female prison, not just like a, a house for a home or Yeah. Now, there's really no just detail other than she got caught robbing again. I wish I could give you those details. They're just not really there. Or they're just not that interesting. And I, it, how old is she at this time? Over over 16? adult age, right? Oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. She's but she's old. probably, they probably just got fed up. And they're like, she's got to do some real time. Essentially, like, how many times can you get arrested? I mean, she might be 17, but she's definitely not. She wouldn't be able to buy a uh, a cigarette legally today, if that makes sense. Right. Now, the female prison would be a harsher environment than the girls had been used to or that Lily had been placed in before. While physical punishment was banned, those who misbehave would be called, would be put in what was called the dungeon, which was a deep, which was a dark cell that was used for solitary confinement. The women would be forced to sleep on a straw pallet and would be given a diet of bread and water. And when the person, when the prisoner was believed to have been better, that's when they were allowed out of the cell. Oh my God. Sounds fun. Doesn't it though? Lily would be released in early 1890, partnering up with their sister again, Lily and Katie, then moved to Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York in the 1890s was just as rough as many of the frontier towns in the West. All kinds of sparked from the Erie Canal that was put in at the beginning of the century. The Erie Canal really opened up the West to commercial trade because you could basically take the Hudson River all the way up to basically the Great Lakes. And when you get to the Great Lakes, you can get to like around Chicago, Cleveland, that type of stuff. So you can really get far into the interior of the United States. Anyone who wanted to go west, it was almost faster or not almost faster. It was faster, faster and an easier travel to take the Erie Canal over. So a lot of these young men that we're going to talk about moving into the west, a lot of them start off in Buffalo to move which kind of think of it as a deadwood, I guess, not, not as much gambling, things like that, but that type of people are in that town. Now, add on, that was in like the 1820s that happened. We're now in the 1890s. So now we have another uh, invention of the railroad came through, which brought in even more young men. With young men looking for to spend their paychecks, more brothels picked up. And it was reported that there were around 75 brothels in 1890s Buffalo. One of them, one of the most renowned brothels was owned by a woman named Pearl Hart. Now, no, no, this is not Pearl Hart that the title. Dun, dun, dun. But we can now reference a Pearl Hart. Eric did not skip ahead 10 years. He did not. He did not have an aneurysm. In so she shows up at this time and boom, she owns a brothel. Close. Because her sister is about to own a brothel. Oh, really? Yeah. Starting uh, a direct competition? Kind of. Well, Katie works for Pearl Hart and actually takes on a pseudonym. So she calls it Katie now changes her name to Minnie. It was typical for a lot of um, a lot of the girls when they're working for a brothel to take on the madam's last name. So Madam Hart, it was now Minnie Hart, right? Right. Kind of know where you work, essentially. Kind of actually it reminded me of slavery, of the slave just adopting the owner's name. Okay. But uh, yeah, 
Um, I don't think it's necessarily a loving relationship, but also I don't know anything about this Pearl Hart. There's not really that much on her, but, um, so Katie worked for Madame Hart and as many young prostitutes, she took the young name, the last name of the madam at 16, the newly named Minnie Hart opened her own brothel, but it was quickly found out by police and it was shut down. She was 16 and running a brothel. Jesus H. Christ. She didn't know anything else. This is true. It's not a judgment, again. Right. But, like, it's ambitious. We can she at got least tired say of that. working for other people. She wanted to work her own. Yeah. Now, the girls are only there for a short while before they think that they're well too well-known, both in the state. Because remember, they're, they had just lived rich across the border from Canada, and then they've moved to New York a couple of times, plus the whole headline grabbing in Chicago and Minnesota, that all kind of gets back, right? So they think that they're too well known that they need to then move. So they decide that they're going to go settle in Toledo, Ohio. It isn't long before Lily falls in love with a 28-year-old pianist named Dan Bandman, and soon the two elope, and Lily takes his last name. But turns out Lily, again, has a penchant for men she shouldn't have she would later recall of dan banman that i was happy for a time but not for long my husband began to abuse me and i presently drove me from him when i returned to my mother before long my husband sent for me and i went back for him i loved him and he promised to do better but it had not been two weeks before he began to abuse me again so not only did lily leave her husband the first time she went back to canada when her husband sent back for her, came and got her again, said he would do better, and then started the cycle again, like oh so many of these stories. It's not great. Now, this continues for a couple of years where Lily and Dan do, uh, they get by as much as they can. Lily prostitutes herself. Um, they do some thefts, uh, some break-ins, things like that minor stuff in general, but just know that Lily is not enjoying any of it. Um, finally, when Lily is 22 years old, she decides to leave her husband for Colorado, where she likely prostituted over various railroad towns before settling in Phoenix, Arizona. Lily is now again, 22 years old and is now entering what might be the most violent area in the United States. You remember Arizona, you know, Tombstone, Arizona, Cochise and Geronimo, Arizona. It's a busy time. Now, in the 1890s, we're still talking after Geronimo was arrested, but it's still not tame, I guess. It's one of the few places in the United States that you could still count as the Wild West at this point. And Lily's now walking into it. But with a new location came a new name for Lily. She now switched her name officially to Pearl Hart. The madam that her sister worked for back in Toledo, Ohio. So now we can officially call her Pearl. Congratulations. We did it. It took us a while, but she's now Pearl Hart. Even with a different alias though, Pearl can't keep out of trouble. And for her and for Dan Bandman, again, her abusive husband, uh, he, he's able to track her down. In fact, uh, Lily just randomly walks into him in the street one day. 
But what's different now is that Lily or Pearl is now really starting to find her groove and really starting to stand up for herself. Not necessarily saying she wasn't before, but she would even tell him and recall this years later that she was not the innocent schoolgirl she had been when he had enticed her from home. Far from it. Uh, she had been injured to the hardships of the world and knew much of its wickedness. Still, the old fat infatuation came back. Those are her words. I, as in Pearl, struggled against it and knew that if I went back to him, I would be more unhappy than I was if I lost the battle. But I did go back. Back with her husband, things don't improve for Pearl. In fact, she now picks up a heroin and an opium addiction that she would later blame on Banman. The couple have two children, though the names of them are never written down. And it isn't long before Banman becomes abusive again and Pearl has him arrested before he is soon let go. Ten days later after Banman's arrest, Pearl is arrested for prostitution and pays a fine. Having enough, Pearl then sends the children to her mother, who recently moved to Toledo, Ohio, and leaves Banman again. But it's only for a short time. Banman follows her and convinces Pearl to take him back one last time. Nothing had changed, and again, Pearl would describe, I went back and followed him to Tucson. After the money I had saved was almost spent, he began beating me, and I lived in hell for months. In 1896, Dan Banman now leaves for the mines in Arizona, which leaves Pearl destitute, but it also allows Pearl to just leave. She saves up enough money after a couple of months uh, after working in a brothel. And then she finally leaves Bandman for the final time. With Bandman now permanently behind her, she now moves and works for a miners operation in Mammoth, uh, Arizona, where she cooks for miners. But she picks up a new hobby because apparently they're just there's there's not much for her to do other than cook. It doesn't sound like she's prostituting in this time, but so she's she's a bit bored. Um, so she's actually given a revolver and was soon seen practicing whenever she has some spare time. A friend would describe that, quote, no target was too small nor distant to escape a bullet that flew under the nervous pressure of her small of her strong, small hand. The more dangerous the savage game was, she pursued the greater pleasure she found in the chase. Turns out our young Pearl has a as a new hobby. <laughs> what could go wrong for this opium addicted young, young <laughs> uh, violent history f- female criminal? I'm sensing she lives a long life. Yes, such a long life. Actually, I think you'll be a bit surprised there. With her new hobby came a new love interest. And I don't know why. This name's man, this man's name is ridiculous to me. Um, his name is Joe Boot. Joe Boot. Joe Boot. Dang. Always with the stashes, man. Let me tell you. Yeah, I'm showing him out of picture. And a turtleneck. Come on. Joe Boot right now. Um, I just, I think of Joe Dirt. I can't get, I don't know what it is about this man. He has, you know, the pencil mustache that they all seem to have with the candle wax at the end. But I can't get over his last name as Boot. Like Why? 
I just feel like he needs to have like some type of southern drawl, or this is the most redneck man I've ever seen in my life. Like, where is his straw hat? Your last name can't be Boot without being a severe hillbilly. I'm convinced. But the real Joe Boot is a 24-year-old former shoemaker and gambler. The two become lovers, and while drifting for work, Pearl looks for a larger settlement in Globe, Arizona, which is about 60 miles from the mining camp. She travels up the tedious, very slow-moving three-day journey without much thought. But when traveling back with Joe Boot, she could almost sense the light bulb going off in her head. They had been stopped and camped outside of Globe, Arizona, about three miles out, where they watched very weary travelers pass the final mm. stages of a long journey. Ding, ding, ding. They're going to rob them, aren't they? I mean, Pearl's not there yet, but she's like, boy, they're, boy, I just. Makes sense. You know, they've got long, weary travelers, won't put mm. up much of a fight. Welcome. Welcome. Yes. Welcome to your new home. <laughs> Why are they looking in our pockets? <laughs> Now, with the light bulb going off, Pearl just sits on that for a couple days. She doesn't, like, think much of it, but, like, you can definitely tell something picked up in her brain. They go to Globe for a while, and Boots uh, bought a land claim that he hoped to strike for silver. But it was a total bust. And, I mean, Boot and Pearl were both working this land, hoping to find something. However, it just didn't work. To make things worse, Pearl got a letter back from her mother saying that she was sick and that she should probably come home because it's not sure how long uh, Pearl's mother had to live. In this emotionally charged time, Joe Boot walked in on Pearl crying. And as Pearl would recall, Boot had, quote, asked me what's the matter. And I explained that I needed money. That's when he proposed the stage robbery. Now, this is where I'm going to stop you because Pearl is not the most reliable narrator. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think anyone will be shocked. She is recalling this years later. Um, and every story there gets to be added a different wrinkle that she always just seems to add. Um, We'll, we'll That's a common theme from everyone at that time. It really is. Uh, but especially, I'm not sure who came up with the idea first, but I I do think Pearl watching the travelers go, go to Globe, Arizona, where they were like, mm, maybe they thought of it together. Maybe they were holding hands doing it. And the light bulb went up in between them in the shape of a heart because, you know, romance. But I don't know. I, 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 Take whatever she says here from the here on out with us. Just a pinch of salt, shall we? Now, so Boot supposedly pitches the uh, the stagecoach robbery. Lily would claim that she was horrified at first, but the temptation of the riches and the romances got the better part of her. And she consented to Joe's plan. Now, the plan was fairly simple. We're going to rob the Globe stagecoach. Doesn't seem so hard. Boot talked as though he had done it before, though it's not in clear, entirely clear that he actually had. 
He had told Pearl, quote, a bold front is all that is necessary to rob a stage. Pearl then replied to her lover that, quote, no, if you promise me that no one will get hurt, I will go with you. That Pearl Hart, that sweet little girl, doesn't want to see anyone hurt. However, a couple years later, Pearl would also kind of contradict the story because she would say that she originally came up with the plan watching the stages crawl to globe. And after some quick target practice with her two revolvers, Pearl hit her targets with ease and Boot then agreed that they should go ahead and do this. So they secured some rifles uh, and some horses dressed in some overalls, got some high heeled boots and buckskin jackets with a cowboy hat. They then tied a big handkerchief around their necks and then rode for two days to find a stagecoach worth robbing. Now, it's pretty easy to scout a stagecoach if it had valuables in it, most likely if they had a shotgun driver. Everyone here is probably called out shotgun in order to jump into your car to get front seat. Well, this is where it comes from. It was drivers literally standing with a shotgun on guard for people on uh, on trails. Um, we saw this with wild bill. We've saw this, I believe with Harden. we've seen this in a couple different places. So that in itself is not a big, big deal. If there's an escort or someone with a gun, there might be something on this stage worth robbing. That's valuable. But that obviously means something that's often mean it's going to be a harder target. There might be more value, but you want to look for the passengers that might have something. And that's what they're going to end up choosing to do is not choosing one with a shotgun driver. Now the two camp out and figure out what the schedule are for the stage coaches. They do this for about a week, just watching stages going in and out. Uh, Now they're not necessarily as sneaky as they think because one eyewitness swore that they could hear Pearl convince Boot to go through with the plan and convincing they had heard a young female yell at a male, quote, it's easy. All you have to do is hold your gun out straight and be quiet. I'll do the rest. Which I do like that visual in my head of them just like right off the side of the road, like almost in the middle of the road. (laughs) It's simple. Point your gun in their face. See what happens. They'll just hand it over. But now the moment has finally came. The two robbers rode slowly and came up to the bend in the road that they had scouted. They then waited for a stagecoach to approach. Then they slowly walked towards it, where Boot then raised his forty-five caliber and told them to throw up their hands. The scared passengers did so, empowering Pearl to what who would later recall that, quote, they were badly scared outfit. I learned how easy this kind of job had been done. Joe told me to search the passengers for arms. I carefully went through them all. They had no pistols. Joe motioned towards the stage. I advanced and searched it and found that the brave passengers had left their guns behind them when they were ordered out of the stage. If you didn't catch that, she was mocking the passengers for leaving their guns in the stage and just doing what they were told. You fools. Seems like this is kind of Pearl's attitude during the whole holdup. She's kind of making side comments of like, oh, look how brave you guys are. <laughs> I'm so scared of you. Boot then ordered her to search for money. One passenger carried $5. Well, Oof. that's fine. Okay, whatever. 
Another had 36. Okay. Jeez, hold up, big spender. Dang, we got a millionaire on here. Another traveler was a salesman who had $390 on him. Oh, man. Please, this is my this is my per diem. And this, this is what they were looking for. They weren't as all excited for, obviously, $41, but $390, mm, that's a sum worth, sum worth stealing. Boot then ordered the passengers to be lined out in front of the stage, where then the stagecoach driver was returned $2 for every passenger. So the driver got $8 back. <laughs> I'm sure the man who got 390 stolen back from him was like, Great. At least it's something. <laughs> There's also something like Pearl made like a side comment saying, well, it's $2 for uh it's two dollars for every one of your brave passengers that you oh, that you man. brought in. She's really, she's really laying it on thick, huh? just, which I kind of love. Like the idea of this tiny, small person who, again, is trying to disguise herself as a male, uh, talking trash this whole time. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Even if you're trying to disguise it, a female voice is is gonna stick out. They usually talk like this. <laughs> is that your female? Is that your woman trying to do a man voice? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Swedish chef? Is that what she is? <laughs> now the passengers, they continue on. Uh, they have no other choice. They're going to be, they got threatened to get shot if they return or they look back. Um, but, but you'll be shocked to know that um, they kind of knew it was a woman. <laughs> and because Pearl was well-known in the area, that they had a pretty good idea which woman it was. <laughs> oh, and who's her lover? Oh, Joe Boot. Oh, well, <laughs> this is easy. This is Police Officer 101. Joe and Pearl rode hard the rest of the afternoon to get away. The next day, they formulate their getaway plan, which is to get on the train in Benson, Arizona, and then leave the territory. The outlaws then stopped in Mammoth for a small time to get some supplies and left. But going into the town that both Joe and Pearl were well known, it's kind of a mistake. Hey, guys! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not only were they known in Globe, the other settlement that they were known in, Joe goes in, now, Joe thinks that he did it very discreetly. They probably did need supplies. However, shouldn't you get the supplies before the robbery so you can just go? Yeah, why are you why are you coming up with the plan after the fact? No, They're, they say that this was a plan. Uh, this was a thrown together cluster. <laughs> right. The sheriff that is chasing them is a well-experienced sheriff. His last name is Truman. He basically knows there's one train station in the area, then it's south. Well, the report was that the two stagecoach robbers went south. He goes, okay, <laughs> they're going to Benson. There's only one direction. He then gets into Mammoth to get his own supplies, and he was like, have you seen this woman? Have you heard about this woman and this, this man coming through the territory? And they're like, yeah, Joe was just in here just, you know, yesterday. And he's like, great. Got it. <laughs> For five days, 
It's the lawmen and the two bandits, and they're within arm's reach, and I mean really close. Pearl would remember that her and Joe would ride at night and then seek refuges, seek refuge in gulches or side of hills, brushes, whatever it is. They would then sleep during the day. Truman would do the opposite. Truman and his posse would ride during the day and then so they'd sleep always come rest yeah. at night. Close before they took off. Well, not even. Apparently, Pearl and uh, Pearl and Boot would actually like see them below. Like if they were on top of a ridge, they could actually see them below on a ridge. And for some reason, they just thought it was kind of like. Why didn't they just turn around? If they would have just turned around and went back. Well, they were being tracked. It wasn't like they just kind of like Truman oh, knew right, his stuff. Right, right, like right. he knew how to track down. Truman. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Um, now you could blame them for not being clever enough to cover up their tracks. That's fine. They're it's also their first robbery, and this is not Truman's first uh, manhunt. So whatever, they're kind of outmatched to begin with. But then I guess there's also a day that Truman actually passes. Benson and Hart, <laughs> and then I was going to say, did they they actually they rode with them for the day? <laughs> that would be in fun. the group, not knowing like not knowing their numbers. I like the idea of Pearl wearing a fake mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it it gets almost like absurd how close they get to each other. Um, meanwhile, like Pearl doesn't seem to be hating this. <laughs> like she's tired, she's exhausted. I'm not saying she's like loving it every second of it. But like, I think she does kind of like the thrill of being chased and all of that type of thing. She definitely doesn't hate every aspect of it, but the dance only continues until June 2nd where Truman and his men spot Pearl and Joe, where they suspect that they're in a schoolhouse. Now, not wanting to expose themselves too soon, Truman and his posse keep their distance. They don't actually go in for the arrest right away around sunrise. Joe and Pearl then ride on for a couple hours before setting up their camp to rest at night. Truman and his men are not far behind. In fact, they're pretty much like with binoculars, they, they, they're able to see them. An exhausted Pearl and Joe then sleep for three hours and Truman just waits because he wants to make sure they are fully asleep. And as soon as Pearl and Joe wake up, they wake up yeah. Winchester's pointed right in their faces they're caught well they it's like shooting fish in a barrel they traveled a hundred miles to be caught 20 miles before the benson railroad uh i mean if anything though they would have got caught at the railroad right probably see I, w I was wondering that too what if like the train schedule said they had to wait for three hours what do they do <laughs> right <laughs> I also would like to think Truman was like, oh, I could have caught him at the 25 mile mark. Mm, can't believe I let him get that far. Like he was just toying with them the whole time. <laughs> he could have arrested them after day three, but he wanted to earn his wage that day. So he, or maybe he got in an argument with his wife and he decided, you know what? We're just going to let him travel for a little bit. Now that they're caught, Pearl did not take very kindly to the arrest and basically blamed Joe for everything. <laughs> She claimed that if she had been awake, that she would have put holes in the posse 
and witnesses overheard her and her yelling at Joe using profane language and calling him a coward. But nowhere else. You coward! You coward! I think the exact phrase she used was, you don't have sand. Which I've heard before, but like, that's just a weird sentence to me. You don't have any sand. You will not stay put and fight. I'm like, okay, that's weird. I don't know if this is a compliment. It's a weird yeah, phrase. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, well, it means like, you know, like, it's a bad term in basketball, like when you're sandbagging, like you just stay in one place. Yeah. Well, if you're going to stand and fight, having sand is it's a good thing, right? It's still a weird phrase. Like there are cooler ways to say that. But whatever. He, he didn't have sand. But with nowhere else to go, Pearl basically just confesses to Truman on the train ride back to Globe that they had actually done the stage robbery. There was no hiding it. We did it. Again, Pearl, a now, if again, so this is the only case where Pearl has the advantage of her gender. Every other, she's, it does, there's no advantage to being a female in the West. But being a female outlaw, she is more curiosity than she is criminal. So we're talking headlines in newspapers across the country, San Francisco, New York, Washington, D.C., St. Louis. They all have headlines. Some are just very simple. The Tucson Star, (laughs) their headline was simple. Quote, we have a woman bandit, period. (laughs) Newspaper men flocked to Arizona and asked her questions similar to like what they did when she was a teen runaway in Chicago. As soon and soon, there are even more descriptions of Pearl. One account, uh, she had confirmed that she had a morphine, uh, that she was a morphine fiend and required 10 grains a day to keep herself in shape. One was the woman claims to be a native of Canada, 28 years old. She lied about her age. She's actually 22, 23. Uh, She's 28 years old. And she looks much younger. She makes a striking picture fitting with a cigarette between her leg, her lips, her legs crossed, telling a carelessly and story of her doings. Newspapers were not as kind to Joe. Uh, They just basically said Boot was a weak, morphine-deprived specimen of the male morality, without spirit or lacking in intelligence or activity. He's a... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> finish that. Yeah, <laughs> not as flattering to Joe, which, again, is just kind of fascinating to me where they will give positive attributes. Yes, to... this girl's great. This guy, he sucks. Yeah, <laughs> what a coward. I think it's Hang almost him. like Hang it's almost like um, how could you be caught with a girl? Like, <laughs> why? Why wouldn't a self-respecting man pick you up as a criminal? Why did you have to pick her? Um, I think, or at least that's how I, I take it. Um, she looks pretty upset right there. Yeah. So I'm showing a picture of Matt of her mugshot. Um, she's not Inmate happy. 1559. Yeah. What was Boots' number? Not that anyone's seeing this. Oh, good. He was 1558. Oh, yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. She does not look happy. This is a. Oh, my God. That uniform is awful. Yeah, well, 
It's not Look like at the freaking shoulder pads and then the freaking weird belt. Yeah, Matt, go ahead and just Huge describe. collar. It's your pinstripes, though. It's the black and white pinstripes. Very short hair, kind of blouse. Yeah, big shoulder pads. Um, and then just a big circle with the number you know, 15. Looks hit. really, 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 really young. She's 22, 23 in this picture. She's not old. Between the moments of newspaper men and even amateur photographers looking to pose with Pearl, the two sat in separate cells, the two as in Boot and Pearl. They sat in separate cells, but they could reach through the cells and touch each other. So they would, they, if you caught them, you could actually see them holding hands or supporting each other. So it's not really well known if Pearl was putting on an act for cameras or if maybe she just, um, if the drug addiction with the morphine and the opium, if she was having, like, she might've been high or whatever it is, like that would explain some of the rational behavior. Cause it does seem like she did love boot. Uh, he also seems to be ironically the one dude who didn't beat her. So I, I do think it was a genuine love interest for Pearl. She just has never had a healthy relationship with a male to like, no. So it, it's very interesting. Um, I would love to actually like be a fly on the wall just to see like how those two actually interacted to see what the story was there. Apparently, while they were sitting in their jail cells uh, right next to each other, the two had made a uh, pact to never serve out a penitentiary sentence. And when Truman ordered that uh, Pearl be separated from Boot and going to another prison, Pearl even attempted suicide by trying to basically swallow the uh, the powder form of, of opium. Jeez. But it failed, obviously, because she's, she's still here, obviously. She's still alive? What? Yeah, somehow. Pearl arrived in Tucson and was kept away from the prisoners. She wasn't really kept in a cell more than she was kept in a room in the top floor of the courthouse where it had a bed, it had a sofa, and then just other, you know, nice ideas. It was not a jail cell like we're picturing it. Pearl would struggle with her opiate withdrawals and her mood would depend on if she was high or not. Now, the officers, knowing how addicted she was to opium, would keep giving her doses uh, and they would bring it to her, something that they wouldn't necessarily do for other prisoners or for other inmates. She was also allowed multiple visitors, including one when a visitor gave her a pet bobcat, which she was allowed to keep. So that first picture I showed where she was holding was the bobcat. Was that when she was in prison? This is her in that courtroom, okay. in that courtroom room. Oh my God, I see the bobcat now. Yeah. It took me forever, but I see it now. Yeah, which is still a pretty awesome. Apparently, the bobcat. It's like a cat, but I mean, obviously. It's, it's a very yeah. grainy photo. You really have to look for it. And it's also be, the, with the shadows, it kind of like hides in her lap, too. Like, it's not, not the easiest to spot unless you know what you're looking at. Uh, apparently, the bobcat, because, you know, it's basically a wild animal, it would bite multiple visitors. <laughs> including one where it bit completely through a guy's pinky. <laughs> like, yeah. In case you yeah! didn't know, you really shouldn't have a bobcat as a pet. Like it's really should not be advised. 
When she wasn't having visitors, Pearl would spend most of her day singing and then reading and then obviously given constant interviews by curious newspapermen. Never one to be held down, Pearl figured out a way to escape. Well, kind of. Uh, she convinces and or guilted a petty thief named Ed Hogan to break her out. Now, Hogan is only in jail for a short term. I think he ended up, uh, I think he like stole a horse or something. Like he's not in there for something. <laughs> what <outrageous>. a <laughs> He's what are you in for? Uh, stole good old Bessie. <laughs> Essentially. Um, he's also what's known as a trustee and a trustee was just someone who was allowed to leave their jail cell during the day to do like chores to like whatever. Um, well, while he was out, the Bobcat left Pearl's room because it was able to obviously go in and out wherever, whenever it wanted. Um, Hogan picked it up. The thing bit him where he then threw it on the ground and must have either kicked it, but either way, oh. it killed the bobcat. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't nope. like where this is going. It's not great. Um, that's all the animal violence, by the way. That's not, but obviously Pearl was very upset and spent the rest of the afternoon yelling at Hogan. And that's where one of two things happen. Either Hogan who became infatuated with her. Um, according to Lily, he may have fallen in love with her and she convinced him to do this or um, he felt really guilty for killing her animal and decided that um, I'm going to break you out. Keep in mind, he's only, <laughs> he's only in prison for like, he has like 10 days remaining on a sentence. And now he's trying to get up with Pearl Hart. So because he's one of these trustees, he's allowed out of this room. He sneaks off uh, after one of his chores. So he's gone. They know he's missing. He then comes back that night and makes a 15-inch hole in Pearl's room. And Pearl slips out. They then run across the Texas border where they get a hotel room. They only are gone for about a week before they're busted and they're caught. And then they're brought back. I don't know what happened to Ed Hogan, but I bet it was longer than a 10 day prison sentence that he had left. <laughs> on November 13th, 1899, Pearl and Joe boot went on trial. Joe surprised everyone when he took full blame for the robbery and is saying that he forced Pearl to take part in it. Now, it's unclear how effective his testimony was. It kind of seems like nobody really bought it. But Pearl had better luck. One reporter wrote, quote, She addressed the jury with a passionate and eloquent manner, pleading her desire to return to Toledo, Ohio, and get one last look at her mother, who she could not expect to see live long and for whom she had not seen in years. The same reporter then accused... Pearl of essentially flirting with the jury. She would flip her eyelashes at them, <laughs> rustled her hey, skirt, cutie. and then hey, smiled cutie. sweetly at the onlookers. And the tactic worked, actually. Uh, minutes after closing arguments, the jurors went back and found Pearl not guilty. And it wasn't even close. It was like 2 to 14 on the initial. And then it was uh, Eve and then the the two jurors consented and she was found innocent minutes after that. But the judge decided that this was a load of BS. <laughs> so what does he do? 
he decides that Pearl uh, was still under arrest because there were four men that were ar- that were robbed on the stagecoach. So that means there would be four separate trials. You could argue double jeopardy might have come into case here. But do details really matter at this point? So nah. no. So just so you know, the first uh the first charge was for the salesman that got $390 and she was found not guilty. I believe the second one was for the guy that got robbed for $36 and she was found guilty basically the next day <laughs> and she was sentenced to prison. So not that it really matters to the guy that stole that had $390, but apparently it was the same testimony. It was the same everything. It was just about this particular gentleman and she was found guilty. So during their sentencing, Joe Boot was sentenced to 30 years. Pearl was sentenced to five. <laughs> she couldn't have masterminded the whole thing. It was all him. Essentially. And Boot did admit to it. Seemed like it surprised everyone. Nobody really bought it, but. So he got 30 years? He got 30 years. Fudge, dude. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> you're like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not great <laughs> i mean i'm 35 now so i'd be five years old out of that prison like if i was born i would be just out god dang dude the prison that pearl and boot get um, sentenced to is a fairly notorious prison as far as like the old west it went to they went to Yuma prison which was noteworthy. Yuma 310 to Yuma it is yes same prison um, there are approximately 260 prisoners that Yuma held and Pearl at the time she is sentenced is the only female now there is like a female wing but the female wing is like I don't know the top floor of a building like there are cells it's is an actual prison but like you could definitely tell this was an existing room and they decided to make it a prison once they decided they needed to sentence females and they obviously couldn't have them interacting with the male because a female in a male prison is not going to end well um there would be five other women that would share the space with Pearl during the next couple of years, and that will matter in just a little bit. Um, now, Yuma Prison is pretty hard to break out of, even for Pearl. It sits on top of Rocky Bluffs with the banks of the Colorado River, and the prison averaged only one successful escape a year. Now, that does sound like a lot, but <laughs> 260 prisoners at a time. Um, if you ever look at Yuma... It's basically surrounded by the Colorado River on two fronts. And then the rest, it's like a 30 foot drop on the other side. There's a picture of it that I have, I'm showing up here for Matt, but um, there's nowhere to go. I mean, it looks like there's land behind it. You could swim around. There is, but there's also a guard tower. And after one attempt. Oh, like, yeah, I see it now. There's like a couple guard towers, actually. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take uh, long for incoming prisoners to understand that the guards were shot to kill. <laughs> so if you were outside, it was they would just open fire on you and they weren't looking to maim. It was looking to, to kill. However, do you want to know uh, 
one of the successful escapees? Um, don't tell me. Let me guess here. Jesse James. Joe Boot. No, he escaped. <laughs> Freaking Joe. Good old JoJo. He escaped and was never heard from again, which is a no nice way. Ending. He didn't deserve that 30 year sentence anyways. Nobody did get hurt. And let's be honest, I don't think he was necessarily the one pushing <laughs> to be doing it. But even with uh, prison, this prison being notoriously hard to get out of, it's not going to stop Pearl from trying at least once. She did find a lover. I don't think that's shocking to everyone. She's had a lover at every stage in town she's been in. Why would Yuma be any different? Uh, but they didn't even make it outside the walls. Basically, the plan was... Uh, Pearl and this other man, they worked in the kitchen together. And one day after kitchen detail, they were essentially going to sneak out. And like, they ended up coercing a, an officer or a guard to basically like, let them hide underneath a buggy or a mat when they were, when they was about to leave the prison. And apparently, (laughs) which is great timing for Pearl is Pearl and the man get in the back of the of the trailer or the buggy. And then Pearl goes something like, oh, I forgot that there was food I made for us for our journey. And then she leaves. And apparently like five minutes later, a police officer goes, hold up there, officer. You have an escapee in your trunk <laughs> or in your back. <laughs> now, who's to say Pearl didn't see that they were busted? I don't know. It seems very suspicious to me that Pearl... Magically leaves because she forgot food in the kitchen that they needed for the trip. But it is what it is. Now, it isn't confirmed, but there are a couple stories of Pearl becoming pregnant while in Yuma. But with her notoriety, it likely would have been discovered. But it doesn't mean that the rumors didn't swell. And even more smoke was added to that fire because circumstances of Pearl's parole seemed a bit strange. Now, Pearl, like I just said, she's about to be paroled. The official ruling is that the female cell of Yuma was only meant to hold like four women. At the time, there were six at this point. One was in for manslaughter. Most were in for like prostitution, petty thefts, things like that. About six months earlier a woman brought in smallpox into the wing and everyone got smallpox in there. Oh my God. That's just, just in the female wing. So then they believed that it was too overcrowded that they needed to let two of them go so they could be at their quote unquote maximum, like where they should have been at before. But there are rumors that Pearl got pregnant because she was sexually assaulted by a, by a warden and that she may have been pregnant. And that with the amount of newspaper men and reporters that were coming in to interview her, it would not, it would hit the papers. So it was decided that she would be paroled in order for her not to tell anyone. Complete speculation. It could have been true. It obviously wouldn't be shocking to me that a prison, like, that could happen, especially with Pearl's past and, like, just the nature of being in that prison. But who knows i'm also willing to believe that there were four four other or there were six women it was maybe a bit too crowded 
Um, the other woman, I believe, was caught for prostitution, I believe. Um, and it wasn't like... Well, did they get released too? Nope. Uh, one other did. Four still oh, okay. stayed there. Okay. But it was those who were like recently came in. Keep in mind... I wonder if all of this is... I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's. it's not just this incident. But, I mean, was that a pretty common practice for men and women to share a prison? No. <laughs> well, no. Because it just seems like crazy stuff like this would be a common like theme is sharing it's difficult to answer the the answer is no you would not expect to see a woman in prison but that also doesn't mean that just means that women weren't being arrested right right right, like it were talking heavy male population these were meant for men and then it was like oh females can break the law too what do we do with them I guess send them to the same place. I don't know. Make make some cells. Like, I think that's kind of the attitude was with it. So on December 15th, 1902, Pearl Locke walked out of Yuma a free woman, approximately three and a half years into her five-year sentence. So Pearl is now free, is a 34-year-old woman, and went to go meet her sister, Katie. Katie has had a hell of an arc for her. If she was a character, <laughs> she's a hell because she has turned into an actress. She was a vaudeville uh, performer. There was one point she was like a stunt parachuter. Now you're asking, it's the 1890s. How were there parachutists? Uh, balloons. They would go high up and then they would jump out of the balloon above a lake and they would pull it. This is just what Katie did. She was for all the game. for all the kids at home that might not know what's a vaudeville uh, actor. Vaudevillian? Are you talking for yeah. the kids at home? Or are you talking for the kid on the other side of the? Screen? Hey, listen, okay. Let's just say it's the kids at home, okay? I know what it is. I I just want everyone to know. You know, if they haven't heard that term before, think of like circus performers on a small stage. Yeah, exactly. That's that's how I would have explained it too. Sure, yeah, that's, yeah. A that's, sure a it is, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. Would you like to explain some of the more acts, Matthew? Like, would uh, you know the trapeze? <laughs> um, Do you know? Uh, I always enjoyed seeing, uh, hearing about the elephants that would come in and stand on a ball with their other. <laughs> uh, they made a movie about that a couple of years ago. Um, what was it called? It was a musical with Hugh Jackman. No. Um, Hugh Jackman was in it. Zac Efron. What was that called? <laughs> anyone else hear that? Greatest shovel? Showman. Greatest Showman. Did anyone hear that shovel that Matt is digging? Like, uh... <laughs> we've kind of talked about Bill before. You remember when Wild Bill was up on stage, like, and they tell stories around a campfire? Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a variety show. Like, it's right. That's essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> okay, so I didn't know. Jeez, you don't have to call me out on it. Sheesh. You had a you had a chance. So what I don't you we have made it very we've made it well known that you are the listener. You are the person who is learning on the other side of the screen, and yet you decided to make this your I know things. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's okay not to know things, Matt. I don't know plenty of things. So anyway, Katie is a, she's had a heck of a character arc. Um, Pearl's brother, Willie is also, but it's been more like petty theft. Um, he is either gay and or bisexual. 
um, and he gets into run like he gets arrested for sodomy and just, you know, just obviously lives a, t- a harder life because of that. But the whole family honestly could we there's enough to have them on their own episodes. Maybe we'll do like a, a quickie episode on one of them. But um, who knows? So fresh out of prison, Pearl then moves in with her mother, Anna, who Anna now has a new husband. Thank God. Seems like he's a pretty decent guy, at least for the most part. Anna, I don't think is living like lavishly by any means, but she's at least has a, I don't know, a a decent life at this point, which Lord knows that woman deserves it. She has gotten, um, she's had a really rough go so far in life. Um, it also turns out that Pearl's mother may not have been well aware of what she was do of what Pearl was doing because the family kept that a secret from her. Pearl is obviously Lily Davies uh, alias. Uh, it sounds like they never just told the mother. They just said she was in the Southwest. Even with all the headlines, it seems like um, Anna's mother never either connected the dot or Maybe she did and just never said anything about it, but so Pearl gets a job at a store for a short while and then marries a 23 year old only about six months after she gets out of prison. She puts her original name of Lily Davy on the marriage certificate, which is actually kind of how the author was able to find out this was the real Pearl Hart <laughs> because he was able to find your like, yeah, this is like his step one, I guess, his first big uh, his first big break. Oh, was this marriage certificate? But anyway, um, they aren't ready to let Pearl live a straight life just yet. On New Year's Day, 1904, Pearl and Katie are woken up to the knock on the door by two brothers that wanted to sell Katie very large bags of sugar. Uh, and if they could do it very quickly, please. Apparently, these young men uh, robbed a train car. And, you know, like the big hundred pound bags of sugar. Uh, They sold them to Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently they had multiple. Now, what I don't understand is the brothers end up getting caught fairly quickly. Uh, But then they say that they sold it to a salesperson, like a store owner and Katie. And Katie gets arrested. Even though she was the one who like she bought it. Now, you would think she would know, like, hey, this is the large amount of sugar that probably only comes from, like, rail cars, but (laughs) why am I buying this? So, like, I'm going to assume there is more to this story than is actually, like, on the surface of it, but it seems strange that the person who bought the sugar was arrested because they seem to be more victim to me than criminal, but who knows? Pearl's marriage didn't last very long. Um, And just as her sister goes on trial, a former lover of Katie named Earl Lighthawk and Pearl get to know each other. The 23 year old husband thinking this is not how he wanted to spend his life leaves Pearl and never returns. Lighthawk and Pearl were then married three weeks later. (laughs) God dang, she's just just going through men. Yeah, just a man. I, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. A manslayer is what she is. Like she's a manslayer. Isn't that a song? Uh, 
man eater. There it is. There you man go. Eater, man eater. Man eater. There it is. Man eater. Yeah, there it is. There it is. How did it go again? She's a man eater. <laughs> <laughs> Those weren't the lyrics, were they? Oh, I just know that part. Who is that? Who even sings it? It's Britney um, Spears, isn't it? No, isn't it? It's Ava something. I don't know. Let me look. Ava Man something. Man eater. Britney Spears. Oh, it's Nelly Furtado. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Good old Nelly Furtado. Let me make sure it's the right one. But yeah, that's it's definitely Nelly. Okay. Do you remember who Nelly Furtado was? I mean, vaguely. Man eater. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Well, anyway, I would start calling Pearl Man Eater Heart, but I don't know if that, <laughs> if that's the great, greatest name. But um, you, you'll be shocked to know the marriage between Earl Lighthawk and Pearl only lasts a couple of weeks before Pearl is accused of infidelity. It appears as though the couple were patching things up and Lighthawk even offered Pearl to go see her, his parents in New York. Lighthawk wrote a letter home and then with Pearl still in the room, walked across, picked up a revolver and put it in his mouth. He attempted suicide. He pulled the trigger by all accounts. He should have been dead, but somehow he survives. I don't know how. That had to have been extremely painful. Right. And like, and I don't. <sighs> Yikes. I couldn't even imagine. Like, I, I, it's very difficult to me to see how he survived, but somehow he did. He's even able to essentially make a full recovery to the point of when he is able to speak. He called the argument a love matter and then the couple reconciles and then gives birth to a daughter. Meanwhile, uh, Pearl's siblings aren't doing great in terms of their own arrest record. Willie is suspected of horse theft, kidnapping, and predatory behavior to an 18-year-old man. Katie, trying to help her brother out, is then busted trying to bring in acid and a steel file inside of soap to help Willie escape. Once that's found out pretty quickly, Katie is then arrested, lies about it, and then is found guilty of perjury. So she goes to jail for about a, for a couple of months to a year. Willie's in jail for a while longer. So, um, yeah. This is all while Lighthawk is recovering from his suicide attempt. But once recovered... Uh, Lighthawk and Pearl both attempted an acting career using Katie's play that Katie was developing, oddly enough, about her sister. So if there's not enough turns in the story, now Pearl and her new husband are trying to take a show on the road that's kind of about Pearl. Weird, but okay. It is. Doesn't sound like the plays that they did were very successful. Together, at least, uh, Light Whitehawk would actually kind of have a bit of a career like a comedy career kind of like a trio i guess him and his brothers were pretty good vaudeville 
stage performers, but uh, it just never happened with Lily. Pearl um, would get arrested one final time. <laughs> kind of. During a heated argument between Lighthawk and and Pearl, the police would get would knock on the door and Pearl quickly explained that they were yelling because they were practicing a play called Family Quarrel. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So she she gets out of that. She's uh, arrested and then later released. And then this is actually the last time Pearl Hart would be arrested. It's a relatively uneventful retirement for Pearl. She moves around with her husband and daughter living from Arizona to Hawaii. Her family hid her identity and all the way until the end in the 1930s, when after a hard life of opium addiction and poverty really started taking its toll. Apparently, when Lily started becoming sick, it really went downhill quickly until on May 9th, 1935, she passes away without a barely a mention in any newspaper. What year did you say? 1955? 1935. 1935. Holy crap. She was old. Well, born in 71. She was like just over 60. Around 60. So, yeah. Isn't that exciting? Sheesh. What are your, uh, what are your initial thoughts on, on old Pearl? <laughs> Good old Pearl ski, huh? Uh, she's alright. <laughs> I felt like she just never could get going. First round, are you satisfied? This is our biography round where we will be handing out positive 10 points apiece to negative 10 points apiece, depending on how well we liked her story. Matt, how how well did you like her story? Um, it was okay. Maybe like a six okay really she seemed like she never that high yeah oh i guess it is negative 10 to positive 10 isn't it (laughs) hey this has been a while okay (laughs) um she's all right i just felt like she couldn't get her life going no she really never did have a chance and then you know i don't know um Overall, I'd say like a four. Yeah. What about you? I. How much credit can you give to essentially one failed stagecoach robbery? <laughs> hey, it was successful for a couple days. It was, except for everyone seemed to know exactly who did it. <laughs> like, it, it was successful until they got back into town. <laughs> they should have just kept going i don't know what they thought it was very um ill ill planned ill conceived yes uh i don't know it's a real downer like it's not her story as a whole one is in very hard to listen to it's essentially a young teenage girl growing up in poverty is forced to turn to prostitution to survive. She then has an abusive father and then an abusive husband and then an abusive husband. And then the guy who first kind of treats her all right, they then do a stagecoach robbery and they get 
arrested together. And then she gets marries a 23 year old when she's out marries another man who attempted like, it's just a very hard life. So I don't know. I, I don't think your four's bad. I'm going to go three only because I, do you think she is a good person or a bad person? Like, I guess is kind of what, what we need to figure. Um, I would say she is probably neutral. Yeah. I, I guess the circumstance led her to do some stupid stuff. It wasn't like she was some mastermind criminal either. She, I mean, she got caught every single time. Yeah, she did. Like literally every time. Like this book, the book uh, by John Bosnecker, Bosnecker. I'm sorry, I'm butchering his name, but. Um, it's essentially page after page of she did this. She was caught. She served six weeks into this woman's boarding house or whatever it is. Just on repeat. I, it depends on if you're a nurture versus nature person, but like, I think what kind of bothers me is that typically if somebody would say like, well, their circumstances never allowed them to get like, a good foot, like never got the, never gave them a chance. And most of the time I reject that because there's more than one outcome. You can choose what you want to do. Like if you want to overcome it, you can choose like a different path. It doesn't mean like just because you have a hard life, you need to break laws or you need to rob and steal. However, I live a fairly privileged life and it's easy for me to say that. So Who's to say I'm right in having that judgment? So I'm going to stick with my three, which gives her a score of seven. But oh, everyone, let me let me know how you think. But next round, be sure you are right. Then go ahead. This is our morality round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how good or bad we thought they were. Continue above conversation. Um, I'm going to say she's borderline yeah she did some crappy stuff though but then she did stuff just to survive right i would like to see if we were to rerun her life again <laughs> and like just give her uh, uh poverty but not all like not all of the horror of an abusive father a mother who was sexually assaulted and then just abusive horrible men that have just surrounded her because that's all she had her entire life is all she knows obviously when you have when you have a life of a prostitute you're gonna be dealing with low men but i don't know i'd like to run that back and see what happens but i don't think she was a bad person she never killed anyone spoiler alert for counting coup <laughs> she has a kitty that died well, that's sure. not her fault. I'm going to say like a three. You know, because I like your neutral. I'm going to go negative two, which still gives her a positive score of one. And I think that's about right. I don't think she's I think deep down, I think she could have a good heart. Maybe we're giving her too much credit, too. I kind of worry about that. But. I don't know. She's a tough one. 
that's assuming you believe this is the Pearl Heart that, you know, Wikipedia doesn't think this is the Pearl Heart. So who knows? Score for Be Sure You Are Right is one. Next round to hell with the consequences. This is our crazy or clever round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece, positive 10 points apiece, depending on if we think they were more crazy or clever. Or clever. She was neither, as evidenced by her very poor stagecoach rubbery. This is true. Very thrown together. But escape. the family quarrel, she avoided being arrested. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. final time i do kind of wonder if we need to give her credit because like let's just assume she committed a crime almost daily to survive we only know of the time she was caught so like uh, who's you're, this- you're right you're right so what maybe like a dozen out of how many yeah a dozen out of like i don't know like if she if she gets caught every month she still got off 29 other times in that month maybe we need to look at it view it that way um but yeah, I don't know what else to give her in this round. I'm going to say uh, two. Two. Why three? Three, 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 three. Why three? Because, like you said, she did a couple things. I mean, and who knows how many actual crimes she committed, but some of the stuff she did was just not smart. But, I mean, she's not crazy. I mean, it's not like she's running around going, Aah! I mean, she kind of was <laughs> like <laughs> she was uh, she was outspoken. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I don't I don't think she was that. Well, she clearly wasn't. I don't think she was that clever. I think she's more clever than we get that I'm giving her credit for. So I'm I'm going to go to why not? Going to give her a five. I just can't get over the one you are about to rob a stagecoach robber of onlookers overhearing you saying you just stick their gun in the face and they'll just put their hands up. (laughs) That's not great. (laughs) Okay. We're going to lock in her score. Pearl has a score of 13 points in the positive. Uh, She had been negative 13. We would continue to subtract points to her score. However, she's positive. So we're going to keep adding points to her score. The next round, draw. If we were in a duel with Pearl Heart, how screwed army from zero to ten? Well, knowing you, you'd probably be like, oh, I'm so scared. Oh, look at me, everyone. I'm so scared. Is that your best mod villain voice? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not at all. So I'm going to go ahead and say like a... I can't remember. The higher it is, the less scared we are, or the more scared we are, right? Yeah, so like zero is we're not intimidated at all. Yeah, I'm not intimidated by her. I'm going to say zero. Going zero. I'm. Uh, so for you, it's a 10. So that's four <laughs> is a 10. Not quite. I'm going to go <laughs> 0.5. I'll go one. I will go one because uh, maybe she's sitting, sicking the cat on me. Uh, she was a good shot. There was one story of her being a good shot. Um, she wasn't scared at any point. So like, I don't know if that really counts for intimidating, but yeah, I don't think there's that much here. One. She's not doing that well. 
Next round, Legacy. This is how well known or how well has their story lasted throughout the years. Scores from zero to ten. Have you ever heard of her? Considering, <laughs> I was just going to say, considering uh, people don't even know who is who, and I had never heard of her. And she died without a single person, Karen. To be fair, Billy the Kid was also not really, his identity was never really confirmed either. Yeah, but it's Billy the Kid. This is true. People know him. That was my he had only a argument. crazy legacy. I'm going to go ahead and say like a one. I'm going to go a little higher because she is in, like, if you look up female bandits, there are three, uh, female lawmen or uh, just whatever, female figures of the frontier. She's typically in that conversation. It's Pearl Heart, it's Pearl Heart, Black Bell, uh, Black Bell. Uh, that's the Red Dead Red 2 character. Jesus. Bell Star is who I meant to say. Uh, Calamity Jane, and then you have some some madams. Um, Stagecoach Mary Fields also. If you if you st- look into the West or like you know some of the characters, you've likely heard of Pearl Heart. Uh, that's just because there's so few female outlaws. So I'm going to go slightly higher. I'm going to go three. Which would give her a grand total of four. I do really like the picture of her with the bobcat, though. People will see it on the scorecard and all of that good stuff. But anyway, death bonus. Next round, this is a bonus point. We can hand out one to two points if we think she had a cool death story. It's the old age. The old old age got her. Yeah. um. (laughs) Thanks. I didn't even have to say it. I just put zero uh, in. Zero. Unless you want to give her credit for actually no. staying low for like no. living out of the spotlight after basically an entire life of in the spotlight. I don't know why you would give her any points here. She died of somewhat old age uh, because of the life she lived. I think it's a miracle she lasted to be near I know. 60. Uh, what was the drug she was addicted to? Opium. Opium. Which was legal at the time she was taking it. Yeah, it's what uh, whatchamacallit was um, addicted to in uh, Deadwood. Dude's wife. Yep. yep. Uh, Alda. No, the the Widow Garrett. That's all I know her by. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I do think what's interesting is like, you know how earlier in the episode I said that Pearl would add in a different wrinkle every like, it seemed like whenever <laughs> she was born, bored into this into the story. There was one part where she just decided that um, she told one reporter that she knew she would never break her opium addiction unless she was in jail. So that's why she planned the ba- the stagecoach, <laughs> which seems a bit defeatist uh, to me. Right. <laughs> to, to, to break that. But then they were giving it to her. It's, well, yeah, and they were giving it to her in prison because like, let's I don't know how if, if, if she was as addicted as they are saying, it's just she straight withdrawals may have just killed her. So maybe they knew that and they were going to continue to give it to her. But I did like that. I also like, if that story is true, how do you feel about Joe boot finding that out? Like, are you kidding me, lady? You had me arrested for your opium addiction. (laughs) 
but he was never heard from again. Who knows? I wonder what his, happened to him. He changed his name to Joseph Shu. Watch, he never made it out and died. Hmm. Possibly. Okay, zero. Next round, counting coup. They're confirmed-ish kills divided by ten. Big old zero. She didn't kill anyone. Nope. So Pearl Heart, final score. Let's let's tally this up here. We have thirteen. A grand total. Seventeen. Of eighteen points. Eighteen points. Yep. Which I believe is the lowest one we've had. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, that's not true. I think if you like look at the average scores, because I think we're we've had really low people. We've been we've disagreed. <laughs> like we'll have like a negative five and a five, and that cancels out. Or we'll have a round where they go like negative twelve, like William Barrett Travis and his horrible racism. Um, <laughs> I think as far as every category, she had a positive score and only got eighteen. <laughs> It, it says something. Yeah, you, you had to give her that negative two. I did, but I, I think that a proper score of one, I think, is it's pretty good. So, okay, I'm going to find. Here's my coin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah, about this part. Um, so, as always, we are flipping a coin to see whose team Miss. Pearl Heart will be on. I will call it. Eric will flip it. And um, whoever wins decides if they want them on their team or not. Uh, both of our teams consist of 20 individuals. And after that, they will start going into an open um, free agent where we can pick and drop as we choose. And currently, both of us have about 15 members each. It is. So our teams are looking pretty full. Uh, so, okay, Eric, go ahead. I will call it. Heads! Uh, I believe that's Tails. Yes. That is Tails. I am going, because we're even, I'm going to take her. But I don't think she's destined for a team at the end. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's gonna for, now, for, for now, she's, she has a nice spot. Nice spot on my team. Uh, she can be friends with uh, Calamity. Let's see, who do I have? I have, who could she hang out with? She has the Donner Party she can hang out with. Oh, you have Calamity, Jane. Sorry, I assumed I had Calamity. I got yeah, a lot of negatives on can my hang team. Out. I like that. Her and Sacagawea, Wait. Best, best friends. Oh my god, we gave Geronimo a negative 79? Yeah. <laughs> He's a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there good old John Wesley Harden is. Yeah, he was even worse, dude. But anyway, that's for uh, for more on that. Go to our recap episode. I'm showing Matt the slide that I showed on the uh, on that episode. So anyway, <laughs> um, with that, that's all we have on Pearl Heart. 
So remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, we really appreciate it. I'm Eric. I'm Matt. Uh, goodbye to you. Goodbye to you.